Couple Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. I wish that our stock market were as honest as every casino I go into. The gambling propensity is strong in people to do mathematically unintelligent things. Welcome to Libel on Fire with Libel Sternbach, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams as fast as possible with as little stress as possible. Libel Sternbach is the author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel's advice has been featured in countless publications, including Reader's Digest, USA Today, Yahoo Finance, CNN Business, Investment News, and and Market Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Libel on Fire. Welcome to this episode of Libel on Fire. I'm with Libel Sternbach. He's the best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about estate planning. And it's really interesting to me, Libel, that when you say the word, those two words, estate planning, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I know all about estate planning. Yeah, I know what to do. But a lot of people, I'm thinking, don't know what that really is. What happens if you don't have an estate plan? So if you don't have an estate plan, then what you're really doing is you're really saying to the state, to the government, do with my assets as you please. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, The government operates on a default path of action. There is the things that they want you to do. They are... And they don't tell you what this is, but there's a default path that they want you to go on. And they then set up obstacles either in the form of not providing easy access to information, not educating people on what those things are that you can do to not follow the default path. And whether it's claiming social security benefits, whether it is applying for things like Medicare or Medicaid and other government programs, the truth is, is that if everyone knew everything that was available to them and every way to apply and protect their assets uh, and apply for every benefit that they were entitled to, the government couldn't fund all of those requirements. It's, it's just a fact. And it's true of most governments. So what they do is they set up these little trip wires, these little obstacles that keep people from claiming the benefits that they're entitled to. Mm. So what happens with an, an estate plan, right, is one of the ways that states make money, at least uh, historically, is they estate taxes. People would die and then they, if they didn't properly title their assets, they would get to reap the benefit of taxing 50% or more of these assets and would come into their coffers. Um, there's also plenty of fees that come along with, you know, judges get paid, lawyers, whatnot. Um, and this is the default plan for you. You don't have to follow this default plan, right? It's it's very easy to get out of it if you know that it's there and you know what to do. Everybody, we're talking with Libel Sternbach this weekend about estate planning. So I've got a, a three-pronged question for you, Libel. So should we have a will? Should we have a trust? Should we have a living will? I guess it's four parts. And do we need to have an estate lawyer as well? So you should have a will though it is only minorly important, at least in my opinion, for most people. 
Uh, living will, I think, is a lot more important than an actual will. Um, and I think that trusts depend on your unique situation of whether you have it. Most people probably don't need a trust um, unless they've got significant assets um, or they want to reach beyond the grave. And as far as in a lawyer, I, I don't think that you need a lawyer. And if you ask a lawyer about estate lawyers, generally they'll say they're on the same level as ambulance chasers. <laughs> they don't no. think very highly of the estate lawyers. Um, there are a few very good estate planning lawyers, and the vast majority of uh, estate lawyers are, you know, new kids out of school who are just, you know, learning it. It's something easy. Sell a twelve hundred dollar trust and you know move on whether or not you need it, right? But that's what they know. You ask, uh, you know, to everything, uh, to every hammer, to a hammer, everything is a nail, right? And to an estate lawyer, everything is a trust or everything is a will or whatever, whether or not you actually need it. It's interesting that you will call a, an estate lawyer, uh, maybe an ambulance chaser or something like that. That's, that's really interesting. But I'm, I'm curious. So we, I asked you about the will, I asked you about a trust. And you said a living will is probably more important than a will. Why is that? So uh, I said a living will is probably more important than a will. And a living will is for when you are alive. So it's, it's that medical directive of, you know, something happens in the hospital. You can't communicate your wishes. This is how you tell the physicians how you tell the hospital what you want done, how you tell the people who are caring for you. And I think that is that is a lot more important than what happens after you're dead. After you're dead, you know, it's the people you leave behind, you know, they they need to pick up the pieces. Um, a will may be able to help them and a will may tell them what your wishes are. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not your wishes get enacted, who knows? Another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's completely, uh, I don't know how many, how many times I've seen families could just do whatever they want, even though the will said something. Um, what you, when it comes to living will though, that is your way of saying, you know, this is what I want. These are my wishes. Um, and it's, and it's for you at the time when you don't have a voice, but you are very much a recipient of those actions. Uh, so I think it's critically important. Talk about probate. What is probate? Let's go really basic. What is probate? So probate is the process where uh, a person who dies, their assets are then, uh, the court looks at their assets, takes custody of them and says, how should we distribute them? Where do they go? Um, and because, you know, dead people can't own things. Uh, so someone else, that ownership has to be transferred to someone else. That process of transferring ownership for something that is owned by a dead person is called probate. So how do you avoid the difficulties and the, I, I would say that uh, not fair, the unfairness of probate? So I don't know. I don't know that I would call the process unfair, but I would definitely call okay. it a legal proceeding that is, it's got a will and mind of its own. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> you know, like a lot of things in life, especially something that has been around literally for, you know, hundreds, I mean, really thousands of years, this process has developed. And so it, it owns allegiance only to itself, not to the participants. And the what happens, right, is you've got 
got this estate. It comes into probate. Someone actually needs to go down to the court and file and say, hey, we are going to act as executor. We're, we want the court to take this process because somebody just dies. That Nothing's going to happen. The, the, the court isn't just going to miraculously say, hey, well, somebody died. We now should distribute their assets. It actually goes, you know, if you don't touch it and nobody comes to claim it, there's an unclaims fund and it'll just go there. So you need to file a petition with the court to make something happen. And then and then lawyers get involved or judges get involved and they say, okay, well, you know, is there a will? Is there wishes? Who should be uh, giving custody of these assets? Who should enact these wishes? And then whoever it is who the both the court and the will or the family agree should, you know, uh, distribute those assets and enact those wills will then become cu- uh, custodian of them. And it's almost like they have ownership of them to a very real extent to go do with as they see fit based on the wishes of the person who died. And it's up to them to interpret them. So as a person whose assets are getting divvied up, you probably don't want that process. Not only is it that your accounts will get frozen and your family won't have access to the money when they need it, because you have to wait for a death certificate, you have to file with the court, you have to wait for the, you know, the court to uh, appoint somebody, and then you have to tell all the institutions that I'm now the executor for the state. I mean, that can take weeks or months, um, during which time they can't access your bank accounts. They can't pay the mortgage. They can't pay, you know, the utilities. And these things now, they go into foreclosure. They get turned off because you have, they have no money to pay it, right? So the, to me, as not as an, a, a lawyer, not as, a, um, not as somebody who's selling a trust or whatever, as somebody who is just a person who wants to make sure that you are taken care of and your family is taken care of as much as possible, I want to avoid that process as much as possible. I want to give control in the hands of the people who need it, which is really your loved ones, right? You want, ideally, right? You want whoever it is who's, who you're living with, who's taking care of you, to be the one who can then just keep paying the bills. And you sense. don't want to have to get a court involved. When the court gets involved and money goes out the door, I, I understand. So we're talking about estate planning this weekend with Libel Sternbach. And I'm just curious, you, you've done a lot of work in this area. What do you see as the most common mistake that people make when it comes to estate planning? So, so the biggest one is assuming that a will is what they need. And that and leaving everything in a will and saying, hey, you know, I have a living will and testament. This is it contains, you know, this account should go to who this person and whatever. Right. That is mistake. Number one. Number one, you want to avoid probate. And the easiest way to avoid probate is to use what's called a pay on death or transfer on death. These are simple forms that you can attach to your accounts that tell the bank or the custodian of your assets that in the event of um, a person's death, of the account holder's death, that it should then transfer to the people listed on the form. And if you keep that form simple, for instance, if you just, if the form says in the event of, you know, the account holder's death, you know, transfer it to their spouse and you list out the spouse. And in the event uh, that the spouse doesn't want to take it, transfer it to, you know, one kid. Right. Or um, then then what happens is it's a very clear progression. It's easy for people to sign off on that paperwork and say, yes, this is what needs to happen. 
right? And 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 because it is a contract between you and the uh, account holder, the the bank, the custodian, the the insurance company, whoever it is, be, because it's a contract, it precedes death, and so legally it never enters probate. And this has been upheld by the courts time and time again. This allows you to completely bypass that entire legal process. And literally, you know, like my dad died, we just called up and said, hey, you know, he's, he, he died, transfer the assets to his, you know, joint account holder, to his, you know, the, the person who was listed as beneficiary. And as soon as we made that notification, it happened automatically. Sometimes you got to, you know, file some paperwork, open up an account, but that can happen very quickly. Uh, whereas going through probate, I mean, we weren't even able to file for probate for like two months because we were waiting on a death certificate from uh, the District of Columbia, which took forever. Um, so yeah, avoiding probate and having those transfer on deaths, those beneficiary forms, biggest the biggest mistake I see people make is doing that. The other mistake is having the wrong information on those forms. Oh, yeah, a very common mistake that people have is they'll set up their 401k at work, they'll list their their wife as the beneficiary on the form, and then they get divorced and they don't update it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then come and then they die, and their 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 ex wife feels very much entitled to that money. <laughs> um, that never happens. Oh, it happens <laughs> so often. Yeah. Everybody, we're talking to Libel Sternbach. So what happens uh, to credit card debt? Does that pass on to somebody or does it just go away? So generally, credit card debt is what's called unsecured debt. So there is no property that it's against. And so generally speaking, in the United States, credit card debt gets wiped out by the creditor. They just they forgive it and move on and write it as a loss on their tax returns, on their books. Uh, if it's a very large amount, it's possible that they will go after the state. But again, this is a reason not to have an estate. If you have an estate, then your creditors are going to try to claim assets from the estate. If you don't have an estate, then the credit card company is just going to say, okay, we can't collect it. Let's write it off. Wow. We've got only got a couple of minutes left, and I'm just curious, uh, can you talk about life insurance? And I don't want to get into a big discussion be- at the end of our segment here today, but do you think it's worth it to use life insurance in an, as an estate planning tool? Absolutely. Um, so I am, I am a big advocate of life insurance, um, and there are lots of uses for life insurance beyond just death benefits. But even if we just stick to the simple death benefit, it is a way of providing for the people, uh, for your loved ones uh, when the time comes, right? It, it, the money is there. Um, it is, can also be used as a genera- generational wealth tool, right? Where you can, you know, you invest that small amount of money. And then if you plan it properly and you do it early enough, it can create quite a windfall um, upon death. Uh, you also definitely, if you are going to have a state, you definitely want to make sure you have life insurance to pay for the taxes and the fees associated. He's Leibold Sternbach. He's the author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. We're talking about estate planning this week. I'm Freddie Bell, and we'll be right back with more. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Libel on Fire. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them on our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free signed copy of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Now, back to Libel on Fire. 
We're talking with Libel Sternbach. You may have read the book. It's entitled Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. We've talked about a lot of topics in talking with Libel Sternbach. And this week we're talking about estate planning. We've already established what an estate plan is. But I'm curious, you said something interesting the last time we were together, Libel. You said you don't need a will. And what should you do if you don't have a will? Should I just rush out and get one? You said we don't need one. But even though we don't need it, should we have it? So you, I think that you should have a will. I think more important than having a will is having family who knows what you want to have happen, um, because ultimately they're the ones who are going to be responsible for making sure it happens. And for for most of us, we aren't going to leave an estate large enough that there's going to be people contesting um, what is going to happen with that money. Um, and they're probably not going to have very strong feelings about where we get buried, you know, all that kind of stuff and who gets what. So generally speaking, the courts like to stay out of it. They want us to resolve things on our own. And so more important than a will is making sure that your wishes are known so that your family can, can implement those wishes as they see fit. Right. The one of the things that I really hate seeing is when uh, people try to reach beyond the grave and control things. And while you are alive, you are capable of, you know, maybe managing the family dynamic and making your wishes known and understood. (laughs) But when emotions are high and there's no and you're not there to correct people when they misunderstand you. But now you have a legal document that allows people to manipulate your words and enforce things that you may not have intended. Uh, It can cause more issues than it solves when not done properly. Having said that, um, what if you do want a will and you should have a will that lays out some of the basic things that you want to have happen, like where you want to be buried, where your accounts are. Um, what are the important things that people need to know? Well, you know what what policies you have, what retirement accounts, what uh, houses you own, what cars, you know, what are the uh, utility bills? More important than a will, also usernames and passwords to social media, your email, your phone, uh, those types of oh, things. Okay. Yeah. My goodness. So you got to have all those documents. And is is there? Do you have a tool that our listeners can use when? putting together a wheel that uh, can really help our family members? Yep. So there are a few companies out there that will provide a free will. Um, Freewill.com is one of them. If you go to my website, yieldsforyou.com forward slash resources, I've got a link to them over there. Um, so they, they are definitely one resource, uh, freewill.com. Um, and on my website, you know, I maintain a list of uh, different services and tools that you can use to help you in that process. Really interesting. The last time we were together, Libel, we talked about insurance as an estate planning tool. And I'm just curious, can you outline some of the different type of policies that you would use in an estate planning process as you are helping a family to go through this whole process of estate planning? Um, so I will talk about it in a uh, general and theoretical nature um, okay. for two specific reasons. Number one, I do not sell insurance. um, And that while I am licensed to sell insurance, I do not, um, I do not specifically sell it. That's number one. Number two um, is that everyone's situation is unique and different. And so you want to make sure that what you are getting is right for you. 
So when you are talking about in a general sense, right, of what you're looking for, um, and, and the, the specifics change literally month to month, the insurance companies will put out, you know, uh, new offers and new guidelines, and it's constantly changing. But when we're talking about at a high level, you want something that will pay for funeral expenses and for those final expenses. Uh, there's something called final expense insurance, which is uh, a very cheap policy, has a very low um, death amount, death payment, but it pays out very quickly. And it doesn't have, uh, it generally doesn't have medical requirements to qualify for, and it can't be revoked. So there's a lot of benefits for that if you're older and you may not qualify for a traditional life insurance policy. You then have a regular uh, term policy, which may, depending on your age, you may or may not qualify for. But as you're, if you're younger, a term policy can help you get some of that coverage to help for immediate expenses. As we get older, and especially as we have more money and there's more at stake, you want to have some form of whole life policy so you don't have to worry about it getting canceled. That is really important because as we get older, it gets more expensive to provide coverage for us. And so you want to make sure that the insurance company can't jack up those rates on you to a number that becomes, um, that, that becomes pro cost prohibitive. Uh, so that's very important. You want some kind of whole life policy. Now, something else, and this is something that I'm a very big advocate for, is the riders in insurance policies. Don't look at your insurance policy when you're getting a whole life policy. Don't look at it as just a payment upon death. Look for all the other ways you can use it while you're still alive. There are so many things that you can get from an insurance policy, from a life insurance policy that you cannot get from any other traditional policy, or if you could get it, it would be cost prohibitive. So things like long-term care, being able to access the benefits, uh, death benefits for terminal illness, um, being able to pay for you know, rehab, rehab, being able to take loans. Um, the, the list is endless, but the, you really want to look at the specific policies, the specific terms, um, and make sure that it fits for you uh, and you want to be cautious going into these policies because they are contracts. They're not standardized, um, one size fits all. Like you can go buy a stock and it's the same stock for everybody. You go buy an insurance contract and it can very much be something that you are the only person who has those, that unique combination of features on their contract. Um, and it, it's going to be written specifically for you. So make sure that you understand what you're getting. Um, there are, you also want to make sure that you've got a low load policy. That means that the insurance uh, agent who's selling the policy isn't getting a hefty commission on it. They're, they, they don't bake in a high commission. So you want to ask for low load if it's available. You also want to ask how much commission your agent is going to get so that you understand the bias they have in that advice. Everyone is biased in the advice they give you, whether they're getting paid for it or not. If it's free, they can say whatever the hell they want right? If you're paying them, then they may have an incentive one way or the other of how they're going to advise you, or they may not even have access to the companies or resources that are out there. There's, there's so many carriers, so many, so many options, and they may not be able to provide you with advice. Uh, for instance, uh, there are certain insurance agents um, that will not let their agents represent other companies. So you want to know, is your, the person you're dealing with someone who represents multiple companies and can shop around for the best policy? Or are they 
you know, specific to one carrier only will present their options. Um, as, a, as an estate planning tool, life insurance has many, it, many benefits and uh, can definitely factor in there. And I've seen it create wealth overnight for people by, through the proper use of life insurance. Really interesting. One quick question on life insurance policies before we move on. Can a rider, such as you just outlined, can that be attached to a term policy? Generally not. Um, generally, term policies are very simple and they don't have many benefits other than the fact that they pay a death benefit. There are some term policies that will allow certain riders, such as covering of a child, uh, paying more in the event of like an accidental death or, you know, dismemberments of somebody, you know, uh, somebody's working on a construction site and they cut off their finger, they might get, you know, a lump sum payment instead of, you know, the whole thing. Uh, there are some, but not a lot. Generally, the real benefits are reserved for whole life insurance. Interesting. So is a life insurance policy then uh, the key or the principal way of taking care of our loved ones after we die? It doesn't have to be. Um, something that's curious is that a lot of people give up their insurance policies when they get older. They find that as they get older, they don't actually need them. So you really, you really got to think through what is the purpose of this life insurance policy and how do I protect my loved ones when the time comes, right? Where it, when 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 you're younger, it's replacing the income, right? Helping pay for them to go to school, go to college, you know, have a home, uh, get married, all those expenses. But once those expenses are paid, what are the costs, right? We we probably own our home outright. We probably have a decent amount of money saved. So when you know in retirement, it may the life insurance need may just be to replace the uh, benefits that will be lost from Social Security. Because remember, Social Security, we have that deemed filing rule, and this is one of those ways that Congress is reducing our benefits. Um, so we you know one person dies their social security check goes away, but the surviving spouse will now get that surviving spouse benefit, but their check is, the, the amount of their check is basically disappeared from the home's income. Because while they're getting the same amount of the surviving spouse, the surviving spouse is getting the amount of the dead spouse, their income, their check that they were getting that they've been relying on up until this point has disappeared. And that could be 50% of that income. Wow. Right. And, and you don't really think about it. Nobody talks about it. But when, you, when you're talking about social security maximization, that number, and then planning for that as an estate plan, getting you know, life insurance for that, that's really important. Can you talk about the different types of power of attorney? Yeah. So there, there are a few forms of power attorney. There's just a blanket power attorney that everyone is aware of, of, you know, I'm giving someone authority to act on my behalf in all matters. You can then limit it to specific uh, areas. You can say, I only want a medical power attorney. So only medical decisions this person can make. So for instance, my mother-in-law has uh, a power of a, a medical power of attorney that says that, you know, two, she has got three daughters. So they have to, she's got two daughters who can make our primary 
a power of attorney and one that is a contingent. So if, you know, uh, if the first two aren't available, then the third one can do it. Um, and that's just for medical stuff. And then she's got a financial power of attorney for um, that. And it's called a uh, springing power of attorney. So that comes into effect only in the event that she's incapacitated or like, you know, if she's traveling abroad, she might do it and say, if I'm unavailable and an emergency you know, need, decision needs to be made, then you have my authorization to do it. Um, so there are different forms of power of attorneys and they come into effect at different times. And really it's, it's a legal document, right? You're, you can construct it in ways that work for you. Do you suggest somebody hiring an attorney? Uh, we're not talking about power of attorney, but an attorney versus uh, creating their own estate planning documents? So in terms of creating your own versus hiring an attorney, if you've just got a simple estate, you know, uh, you can create your own estate documents probably. Uh, the truth is, is there's something called a holographic will, which is if you write it in your own handwriting, uh, that has a lot more authority than a legal document because a legal wow. document is assumed to be written by a lawyer. And therefore, it, we're going to treat every word in the legal document as if a lawyer wrote it and they knew what they were writing. However, with a holographic uh, will, we're going to assume that you were a layperson and you didn't know what you were writing. And so we're going to try to devise what your intent was, um, which gives you, I think, a lot more, uh, it gives the court a lot more leeway to implement your wishes. Having said that, every state has different laws. So definitely, if you've got more than, you know, uh, a bank account and a home, um, or you've got any kind of complexity, do talk to an estate lawyer and find out what those complexities are and what you need to do to make sure that you, your wishes are enacted. For those folks looking to get started right now, where, do you, where would you send us? How would we get started? So if you want to get started with a will and a checklist, I've got an estate planning checklist on my website. I call it the five-minute estate plan. You can go to yieldsforyou.com forward slash resources and download it over there. That's yieldsforyou.com, Y-I-E-L-D-S, the number four, the letter U.com. Libel, I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Thanks for being with us this week. And this is Libel on Fire. That's all the time we have for this episode of Libel on Fire, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them in our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free copy of Libel's book, Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Thanks for listening. Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. All investment strategies can result in profit or loss. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussion should not be construed as any offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell the investments mentioned. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Content should not be viewed as legal or tax advice. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation.